welcome to the 52nd episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. We had some audio issues with this episode, so I'm re-recording it. So hopefully this one is better. Before we get started, the usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week, we are talking about the Slumber Party Massacre franchise. There are three movies total. They are Slumber Party Massacre from 1982, directed and produced by Amy Holden Jones, written by Rita Mae Brown, produced by Roger Corman, starring Michelle Michaels as Trish, Robin Stile as Valerie, Michael Valella as the Driller Killer, music by Fred Jones, and the runtime is 76 minutes. Slumber Party Massacre 2 from 1987, so five years later, directed and produced and written by Deborah Brock, also produced by Roger Corman, starring Crystal Bernard as Courtney, Atanas Alidich as Driller Killer, music by Richard Cox, runtime 75 minutes. And the third movie is Slumber Party Massacre 3 from 1990, so three years later, directed by Sally Matheson, uh, produced and written by Catherine Kyron, who is credited as Bruce Carson. Again produced by Roger Corman, starring Kelly Christian, Bretain Frey, and Maria Ford. Runtime is 87 minutes. These movies should not be confused with a myriad of other movies that have Massacre in the title. Uh, there's, of course, The Biggie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as well as Funhouse Massacre, Cheerleader Massacre, Mountaintop Massacre, Mardi Gras Massacre, Drive-In Massacre, Frat Party Massacre, Microwave Massacre, Pool Party Massacre, Strip Club Massacre, Porn Shoot Massacre, Jersey Shore Massacre, Bikini Car Wash Massacre, Hot Tub Party Massacre, Motorhome Massacre, Pizza Girl and Pizza Boy Massacre, two separate movies, Women's Prison Massacre, not to be confused with the Sharkansaw Women's Prison Massacre, which I just saw, uh, and Sorority Party Massacre, Dude Bro Party Massacre, and even the Reykjavik Well Watching Massacre. Who knew there were so many movies that had Massacre in the title? Um, one that we just mentioned that's very, very similar, and people often get confused with this franchise, is Sorority House Massacre. There's a one and two, and they have a number of similarities. The plots are very similar, and that's because Roger Corman produced both, and Slumber Party Massacre inspired Sorority House Massacre, and the writer and director on Sorority House Massacre served as the assistant director on Slumber Party Massacre. Slumber Party Massacre is often billed as the only horror franchise written and directed by women. But don't expect the movies not to have um, any TNA or violence. There's plenty to go around. The first two movies were produced by Roger Corman, who's known as the king of the B-movies, and we've uh, covered several of his uh, franchises before on this podcast. His mantra was blood, butts, and boobs, and he's also known for giving directors the creative freedom um, as long as they fulfill his basic requirements. He has mentored a number of big Hollywood directors, including James Cameron, Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, etc. 
as well as giving a number of actors their start. He's directed 50-plus movies and produced more than 400 movies. They include Little Shop of Horrors, a number of Poe movies with Vincent Price, Galaxy of Terror, Forbidden Planet, It Conquers the World, Chopping Mall, Piranha, Carnosaur, Big Bad Mama with Angie Dickinson, Bloody Mama with Shelley Winters, The Terror, Death Race, The Wasp Woman, and my personal favorite, Attack of the Crab Monsters. So where to find these movies? The first two are available on Amazon and are free for members. They're also on Shutter, Tubi, and YouTube for free. Uh, the others are... The third one is in the usual places for $4 each. Google Play, Vudu. They are not on Netflix or Hulu. And the third movie is also available on YouTube for free. Rotten Tomatoes scores. The first movie, critics gave a 40, audiences gave a 44. The second movie, critics did not rate, audiences gave it a 37. And the third movie, critics did not rate, and audiences gave it a 30. So these are some pretty low scores. The plot of the first movie, IMDb says... A high school student slumber party turns terrifying as an escaped mental patient with a drill um, decides to crash the evening. The plot on this movie is very straightforward, and that's what I like about it. it the action almost starts immediately. There's no, you know, three-fourths of the movie setting up characters. So after an obligatory shower scene, which the director said uh, Corman required, um, we see a telephone repair person who's killed right away in their van. Next, Trish um, has three friends over for a sleepover, and some guys sneak over and peek in the windows. Valerie, who goes to school with uh, Trish and the other girls, is babysitting her younger sister, Courtney, uh, next door. The driller killer, whose real name is Russ Thorne, shows up, and he just starts killing everybody. So he kills the guys outside, the girls, the next-door neighbor, the basketball coach, etc. Eventually, Valerie chops off the killer's drill, which is a very uh, phallic scene, and she chops off his hand with a machete. He supposedly is dead. After he, of course, rallies one more time at the end, as they do in all horror movies. So surviving this movie are Valerie, her sister Courtney, and Trish. So next up, I want to play one of the songs from the movie. This is called Stalking the High School by Robert Jones, and it's from Slumber Party Massacre 1.
Next, the plot for Slumber Party Massacre 2. IMDb says, Courtney Bates, the younger sister of Valerie, and her friends go to their condo for a weekend getaway, but Courtney can't get rid of the haunting feeling that a supernatural rockabilly driller killer is coming to murder them. Yes, you heard that right. A supernatural rockabilly driller killer. While the first movie had action right out of the gate, this one seems to take forever to get going. Uh, Courtney has bad PTSD after the first movie. Her sister Valerie, who's played by a different actress, is in a mental hospital. So we see a couple of brief scenes with her. Courtney is in a band. Um, they pause for musical numbers. And the killer in this one uses a guitar strat slash drill, which they have named a drill tar, uh, to kill his victims. Again, we don't know why he shows up. He's just there. And in a surprise, he has a musical number towards the end, which we'll play again in, we'll play, um, in a second. Uh, it's very, very strange. Everybody's killed. Uh, almost everybody's killed. And then in a twist, Courtney wakes up from a dream. But no, she wakes up again from another dream. And then she wakes up again in a mental hospital with a drill coming up through the floor. So this was obviously inspired by Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, it's a dream within a dream within a dream, or we don't really know what's real and what's not. Uh, the musical numbers aren't half bad. It's just a very strange combo. I think they might have intended this to be a musical to start with and then change their mind at the end. So, Slumber Party Massacre 3 IMDB says Jackie Cassidy and her friends are stalked by a serial killer while having a slumber party. While the second movie was a true sequel since it featured um, the younger sister Courtney, this movie is not a sequel and has nothing really whatsoever to do with the first movie. I think it was a completely separate movie at some point and they just slapped the name Slumber Party Massacre on it. Uh, they really just recycle the exact plot from the first movie, but with much less finesse. It takes forever for the action to get started. Uh, we have to see them play volleyball on the beach. We have to see them ride around in a convertible for a while. To be honest, I really hated all of these people, and I wanted to kill them myself. So that's never a good sign uh, when you're watching a horror movie. Um, I don't feel bad about divulging the really stupid plot twist because this movie is so bad. So uh, the guy that they meet on the beach, it turns out one of the girls went to school with him and his uncle was a cop and his uncle committed suicide supposedly because he was gay. Then at some point it's insinuated that the uncle had molested the guy who they find out is a driller killer. And the cop's death is what started him killing with a power drill. Uh, it's just really, really stupid. So my advice on that one, don't pay any money for it. Watch it for free on YouTube because it's horrible. And I've seen a lot of bad movies. So trivia. First, some general trivia. There's a documentary from 2010 called Sleepless Nights Revisiting the Slumber Party Massacres by Jason Paul Cullum, and it's in three parts for free on YouTube, so that's worth checking out. Uh, according to the directors, the first movie is considered a comedy. The second is considered a dream sequence slash musical wannabe, I guess. 
And the third one is supposed to be straight up horror, but it's not very good. There is never a motivation in any of the, these movies for the driller killer to attack anyone or why he uses such a cumbersome drill to do so. Trivia from the first movie. Rita Mae Brown, who's a noted feminist and LGBT writer, uh, LGBTQ writer, wrote this movie as a parody of 80s slasher movies, but instead it was shot as a straightforward horror movie but still retained some of the elements of comedy. Director Amy Holden-Jones says it was meant as a comedy. However, she changed much of Brown's script, and I would have liked to have seen what uh, originally was written, because I think that would be interesting. Amy Holden-Jones was originally an editor. She shot some scenes over the weekend with her husband, who was a cinematographer, Michael Chapman, and because of that, she got the job directing this movie. Amy Holden-Jones uh, turned down an editing job on E.T. the Extraterrestrial in order to direct this movie, and she went on to direct or produce other movies, including Mystic Pizza. The original title of this movie was Don't Open the Door, and the entire score was done on a Casio synthesizer, which is why I wanted to play that first song for you. The final scene in the backyard with the pool was a reshoot. There apparently was a different ending, but nobody can remember what it was. This movie had a budget of $220,000 and a box office of $3.6 million. Interestingly, all the background professions in this movie are played by women instead of men. So you have the phone repair person, the maintenance person, etc. There are other comedy elements of this movie, including one of the girls eating pizza off the dead delivery guy's back, Valerie trying to kill the killer with a circular saw until she figures out that it has to be plugged in. Or the weird neighbor who is killing snails with a butcher's cleaver. The characters are all fairly well developed for an 80s slasher movie because usually there's no character development there. They talk about sports, they seem to like each other, etc. Uh, the guy that played the driller killer, Michael Vidala, used... Helter Skelter as a motivation for the killer. Um, and in one scene he says, you know, I love you or something like that, which is comes from that book. And he also used a peacock as the inspiration for his walk. So check that out. The pizza guy is played by Aaron Lipstadt, and he is the production manager and went on to direct a Corman movie called Android, and he later directed a lot of TV shows. Several of the girls in the movies um, that are in uh, playing basketball or in the shower scene were also in sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street. I won't go through all of them. Uh, when Kim is throwing things at the killer, one of the books is Ruby Fruit Jungle by Rita Mae Brown. And Linda, who is the first girl who was killed, is played by Brink Stevens, who went on to star in 100-plus horror sci-fi fantasy movies, this was her first speaking part debut. Stad sadly, Robin Stile, who played uh, Valerie, committed suicide at the age of 34. So that's sad. Um, and the kill count in this movie, according to Dead Meat, is 12, 6 male, and 6 female. 
Now I'd like to play you another movie uh, from this, fran- I'm, I'm sorry, another song from this franchise. Um, this is from the second movie. The music was by Richard Cox. And uh, I'm not sure what the title of it is, but it's the main musical number in the second movie. So I would suggest checking out the uh, movie just for that scene or at least uh, checking out a clip on YouTube because it has the killer dancing all around the place um, while a girl is trying to get away from him. It's, a, it's, a, it's fun. It's just very, very strange. So check that out. Um, trivia for Slumber Party Massacre 2. It had a budget of 500000 and a box office of $1.3 The Driller Killer... Atanis Illich, and again, I might not be pronouncing the right name, the name correctly, is the son of Mike Illich, who was the owner of Little Caesars Pizza and the Detroit Red Wings NHL team and the Detroit Lions baseball team. Um, this movie features a topless pillow fight. I hate to be the one to tell you, but uh, that. Uh, typically doesn't happen at slumber parties. A lot of the shots in this movie are head-on shots with people speaking directly to the camera. I don't like that. That takes me out of the action of the movie. I'm not sure why they made that choice. And again, several of the actresses here are another installments of Friday the 13th. Music here that the uh, girls' band sing is from a group called Wednesday week, and their lead singer is Christy Callan. There are flashbacks here from 
to the first movie and also recreations with new actors. If you'll notice, many of the characters in this movie are named after characters in other horror movies such as Kruger, Voorhees, Craven, etc. Former Playboy playmate Kimberly MacArthur had a stipulation in her contract not to do anything nude, so she did not appear in the nude pillow fight scene. The cast used the code Jennifer when Corman was on set so they could keep track of him. The set was previously used for the movie The Nest, so they had to deal with some leftover cockroaches. They brought in a fumigator, but uh, there were still some cockroaches left around. And the kill count in this movie is 7, 3, female, 4, male. And for the last movie, Slumber Party Massacre 3, had an estimated budget of 350000 and a box office of $1.2 million. The girls on the poster do not appear in the movie, and after fil filming, the set was used, as we already mentioned, for Corman's other similar movie, which is Sorority House Massacre, so it was used for Sorority House Massacre 2. Director Sally Matheson didn't want to do a horror movie, but was offered it and took a chance uh, to direct. This is her only job directing, but she did go on to produce several low-budget thrillers afterwards. The rape and murder of Maria was reshot. Matheson didn't want to do it, but it was one of the requirements from Corman. The kill count here is 12, um, which in my opinion is way too few since everybody connected with this movie should be killed. It's so bad. So after saying that, why should you watch these movies? Well, the first two have gone, gone on to be cult classics. Um, they're so bad, they're actually fun. Um, so I enjoyed the first two. The third one is just god-awful and should be avoided at any cost. Recipes. Didn't have much to go on here, but um, they did have some snacks at their slumber party, so I went with some snack popcorn recipes. Uh, the Food Network has some really fun ideas for um, how you can jazz up a regular popcorn. So let me just go over a couple of these real quick. There are some strange ones that I had never heard of before. So there is uh, sushi, which they use soy sauce with. There is peanut butter. There is, let's see... Uh, ranch, garlic herb, parmesan rosemary, veggie in which they crunch up some uh, veggie chips and then you uh, mix that with the end with the popcorn. There is um, bacon chive, Szechuan, which you mix uh, peanuts and dried chilies. There is sriracha, chipotle, curry and Thai curry, mole, Cajun, buffalo, Caesar, herb, French onion dip, barbecue, margarita, blue cheese almond, uh, and a peanut butter banana one, strawberry, cinnamon sugar, rocky road, s'mores, cookies and cream, 
and then kettle corn. So I have posted the uh, link to the Food Network site that gives you the specifics on how to do those. It's um, pretty easy and that really helps jazz up regular popcorn. So let's see where to find us. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We're also, um, you can email us at foodandfright at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at foodandfright. Or you can contact us and visit our website at foodandfrighteningfilm.podbean.com. That's all for this week. Um, my suggestion until next week would be uh, avoid slumber parties at all costs because um, these turned out pretty bad. So have a great week and a safe week. Bye.